Welcome back to The Drop, this is Michael Saramella and we have a huge week in store for you. Shortly I'm going to be joined by Buck to discuss everything that happened this week in surfing, which includes a new episode of How Surfers Get Paid. You guys have been asking for this and it is finally here. Sam McIntosh has put the bow on the energy drink episode and you are going to want to crack this one open. After that, we're going to be giving you a stab edit of the year update. The window has officially closed. However, we do have two edits that were submitted on the last day that have yet to be released. They're going to be dropping soon and we're going to be talking all about those. We're also going to get into a more serious story from Paul Evans, who usually gives us these sort of funny, cryptic stories about, you know, all manners of surfing. But this one gets a little bit more journalistic. And last but not least, we have a Nazare update. And this one absolutely boiled my blood. It's sort of an ongoing conversation that's been happening on this podcast, not even really purposely. These stories just keep landing in our lap. But this one, this one really got me. So without further ado, Buck. Welcome home. Hello, Michael, and welcome to another fine week of the drop. Brendan, you have a bit of a glow going on right now about you. Is is there something you want to share? Mm, I got some waves today. I'm not going to lie. Did you get super tuboed? I did. I did. I got a few. It's been a very nice fall over here. We've had some stretches of like weird wind and rain, but when it's not like that, swell has not been an issue at all. And when the wind and weather aligns, we've had some very good days. And this was an example of that. Yeah, I looked at the uh, Surfline live cam this morning when you told me that you were going to be a little bit late to our meeting. And I thought, yeah, okay, that uh, that makes sense. That checks out. Fair, fair. I know I love that Like, there's a cam there so that it's just I could just show, like I don't have to explain myself really. I could just say, like, how good was it? I'm like, <laughs> well, just look at the cam for like 30 seconds. <laughs> You know, I don't, it's like words are pointless compared to that, you know? Very true. Very true. Well, we have a few words about some things that happened this week in surfing. So let's hop in. But wait, 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 wait. I just have to say one thing. One thing just stuck out with me. Well, I need to get your take on this. Saw a guy out there who had a helmet and face tattoos. Oh, that is a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? I was so confused. I didn't know how to make sense out of it. I mean, it's just, it's a dangerous wave. You know, well, you did a great report on what happened to Josh Moniz there. I think a bug got paralyzed there just earlier this year. It's a dangerous wave, but I mean, I would say it's a risk to get a tattoo on your face. And so it was just, it. no judgment on the helmet, but the combination really, I it, it just kind of stopped me. Yeah, it's like he cares about his life, but he doesn't necessarily care about his occupational uh... (laughs) (laughs) livelihood were they tribal no not tribal i couldn't really you never really know i don't know how to look at somebody's face tattoos you know it's like you're staring at their face and that's a weird thing people it makes most people uncomfortable i think to just have a stranger stare like you could feel that energy right um so no i don't think they're tribal but again i i didn't want to be the guy just gazing into his eyes um out there fair enough did he get tubed I think I saw him get at least a closeout. Okay. One teardrop for every tube. That's it. I like it. Let's get into the news. How Surfers Get Paid Episode 4 is live on Stab Premium. This episode is all about energy drinks. Um, Or, as one of the stars of this episode, Chris Mader, describes them, just a drink in a can. (laughs) Did you catch that bit, Mikey? No, I don't think I did. Well, I found it really interesting because 
I've been watching this show on Netflix, a little docu-series called Pepsi, Where's My Jet? It's about this guy who, Pepsi was running a promotion where they had like, you know, points running on their the side of their cans or the, the box that held all the cans. The more points that you collected, you could send them in and, you know, you cut them out and, okay, you got this much, you get a t-shirt, you got this much, you get a leather jacket. And in the commercial for it, the last thing was this Harrier jet, like a military-grade jet that they threw an absurd amount of points at but didn't have a disclaimer like, this is a joke. Uh, and so this guy found a loophole about how he could buy points and it still makes sense economically to buy like the 7 million points because the jet's worth 3 million. It's a whole thing, right? But it takes you behind the scenes of like how Pepsi was doing this massive marketing push in the 90s and it's just a drink in a can, right? I think the energy drinks and surfing have gotten so, so embedded. And that's kind of where this episode leads to eventually is that they're so embedded that we don't realize it's just a drink in the can. They're literally just part of our culture now, especially if you if you take in any bit of surf media. They have been a part of that for a long time. And this episode takes you from the start of that to where we are today. And it's I was actually thinking about the same thing when I was watching this. First of all, I've also seen that documentary and it's amazing on Netflix. So go watch it. But I was thinking about the exact same thing when I was watching this. Like, how arbitrary is it that it's energy drinks that are this sort of the main outside force in funding surfing, right? Like, it could very well just as be, I don't know, like cell phones or any other, you know, random thing that a lot of people in the world tend to use. And which, ironically, most surfers, I would say, don't use energy drinks. Like, when was the last time you had an energy drink? Oh, for me, it's been a while. A couple sips on uh, at Stab High. Of the monster. Lucky sips. But I mean, by and large, I, you just don't really see surfers, like especially pro surfers, unless you're Jamie O'Brien drinking energy drinks. Like it's not like this thing that is very commonly used in surf culture, I would say. So it seems so random to me that they're the ones propping it up. But I guess what, you know, brands like Red Bull and Monster have learned and what they express in the thing is like they've become so much a part of surfing and skating and snowboarding and moto and all these things that when you think of those sports, you think of the energy drink brand. And that is the whole theory behind why they go so hard in these areas, because, you know, energy drinks in and of themselves, like, I don't know why you would necessarily feel any sort of emotions toward them. But when you associate it with these incredible feats of, you know, human achievement, then it's like, whoa, that's actually pretty cool. And then maybe your mind does go there and you do order a vodka Red Bull. Yeah, and I mean, you're coming at that from a very core perspective. I think there's also the element of people, a random person in the middle of America or Australia or Europe, for, for example, seeing in a gas station a poster of somebody standing with their back arched in a massive tube, and they want to identify with that. Like, they're not going to have this bland little coffee. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll have the little cute espresso. But, like, it is identify using that to represent your product to people that aren't familiar with what's even happening there. They just know that that's like an incredible, like you said, it's a feat that humans are capable of. I get that fully, but it is, it is so funny. And yeah, that Pepsi documentary really exposed that to me for some reason, just seeing what you get to see behind the scenes of this like big marketing initiative and the how and the why these people are thinking. And I was like, it just so happened to be coincidental with when I watched that. And when we were dropping this episode, which is just, you get to see how the energy drinks were thinking and, it also does such a good job of giving you a lay of the land in terms of what was happening in surfing when they entered. Um, and then there's some incredible stories in there. 
I, we have to talk about the Andy Irons laptop one, right? We have to. It's. I don't want to give it away completely because I don't want to toss it in there, Buck. Uh, I, let's not give it away, but let's just say this is a story you can't miss. It's. God, he's so good. He's so good. Bruce is. <laughs> Bruce features heavily in this. Him and Bobby, they're just so candid. It's so refreshing to hear people speak like that. And um, well, I think to me the the one thing that stood out more than anything is. The irony that these totally non-endemic, unrelated in the very nature of what they create to surfing brands are the ones that are actually propping up core surf culture in a sense. Like Noah Dean does a great job of explaining how brands like Red Bull and especially Monster are paying surfers to be themselves and funding projects that not only push the sport forward, but also allow sort of like surfing's less jockey figures to thrive. Like I don't know, you think about Van Stab High presented by Monster Energy, Stab Highway presented by Monster Energy, and you have Red Bull Cape Fear. You have even like things like No Contest, which explore a, a little bit different side of surfing. But it's like, and you go back to Kai Neville's films, like most of his most famous films back in the day were all supported by Monster. So none of these things would be possible, these things that sort of are staples now in surfing and really allow people to identify with these different aspects of surfing and core surfing, I would say. And it's these brands that have no actual affiliation to surfing in their product that are allowing it to happen, which is pretty wild. Like Sam McIntosh, when he was making this, he tried so hard to get somebody to talk badly about energy drink brands just to sort of have that other opinion in the show because he felt like it was fairly one-sided, like people sharing how valuable and you know great these energy drink brands have been for surfing as a whole. And he tried so hard. So he brought on Noah Dean thinking like, oh, here's someone who is not afraid to be critical in public, who's never had an energy drink sponsor, so he's not really at risk of like losing anything. And still Noah comes on and like fully backs what they're doing because they allow, you know, the one example that he really gave is like Brendan Gibbons and then also Chippa and Aton, like these people that you know, they're, they're not these comp guys or whatever. And if they didn't have backing, we w- wouldn't really get to see them surf, but because they do now they're like front and center and they are a lot of people's favorite surfers. So it's, yeah, it's really fascinating. I know. Noah was almost more praising than anybody else, which is obviously when you're at that level and all your friends are doing the same thing as you, you think about it in a different way than just an outside consumer. But Sam McIntosh does feature in this episode, and we also learned that he was responsible for essentially having a Red Bull executive take a flare in the eye. And as a member of the visually impaired community, Sam, I don't like that. I think exercise more caution with the flares moving forward, but the eye is fine. The eye is fine, so that's good. And this is a great 31-minute watch. Yeah, and... To Buck's point, there's some incredible stories. The one about AI is amazing. The text he sent to that guy after the fact is like, you could just tell that's something that that guy clearly word for word has not forgotten some 20 years later. Um, There's, again, the the Bruce story with the flair. Yeah, there's so many good pieces in here. So go get amongst it. It's the fourth episode of How Surfers Get Paid. There's still a few more to come. We don't have an exact timeline on them. They sort of come out when they come out, but this is probably the coolest series we have running on stab Mm, agreed um buck one last question here how much would someone have to pay you to wear a hat every single time you go in public because that's one of the main things that this episode focuses on is the energy drinks really owning that headspace 
So what's your number? You can choose the hat, but you have to wear it every single time you're out in public. Every, as soon as you get out of the water, you got to throw it on. Uh, if you're going to the grocery store, you got to throw it on. You, you just, you're not seen without this hat. I could choose the hat. It doesn't even have to be silly. Yep. You can choose the hat. It does have to have like a brand logo on it. Not that much money. I mean, make me an offer. I don't want to. I don't want to sell <laughs> myself too short here. But <laughs> all right, energy drink brands or uh, you know Pampers, Clorox. Um, anybody that's listening to this, <laughs> anything. I would go Pampers hat. I would throw two thousand out there to try to just get set the bar kind of high. But realistically, wait, two thousand dollars a month or a year. A month. Come on, you gotta shoot for the stars. Oh, okay, 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 good. I was just making sure you weren't saying two grand a year to be rocking a hat twenty four seven. Okay, so tw- he's yeah, he's set the benchmark at twenty four thousand a year. The gauntlet is laid. Um, you know, Kleenex, Cheez Its, anybody who's listening to this, anything, Pop Tarts, Pepsi. I'm not done with that series yet. I still know that that guy got that jet. So it is time to vote for the stab edit of the year. Almost time. There's a good chance when you hear this podcast, this will not yet be live, but there's an even better chance it will be live within days of you hearing this. So the stab edit of the year waiting period is closed. However, however, we have two more edits that we are about to give you. Both of them came in on time, did everything right. It just didn't work with our scheduling this week, having this kind of double up at the end. So... In the coming days, you're going to see a Kai Paula edit and a Tori Meister edit. After that, you will see a story on our site with the title that I read, It's Time to Vote for the Stab Edit of the Year. That story will have a link which will allow you to do what's suggested in the title. And just so you know, you will not miss this one. It's going to be on the site. We're going to talk about it on social. We'll talk about it on here again next week. You'll get an email about it if you're a Stab Premium subscriber because only Stab Premium subscribers are able to vote for this. And yeah, it's decision time. Almost decision time. Okay, well, I feel like we need to bring up one little glaring red flag here, and that is that you didn't mention Noah Dean. We've obviously been talking the last couple of weeks about how Noah's going to have a Stab Edit of the Year entry coming in, and he's not, unfortunately. At the last second, he decided that Basically, what happened was he made this incredible 30-minute film called Nasvid, and he was going to trim it down to fit the criteria for Stab Edit of the Year, which I think it's like 5 to 18 Just minutes 18. in length. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So beyond that, we considered things a film. So Noah's would have qualified as a film, not an edit, and therefore, in order to be put in Stab Edit of the Year, he would have had to trim 12 minutes. At the very end, he decided that he didn't want to. He wanted to keep the whole thing intact, which is super respectable like good on you no it's your film and you're still going to be able to watch it soon hopefully on stab premiere maybe free we're not exactly sure how it's going to work out yet but it will not be included in stab edit of the year despite the fact that it is pretty freaking amazing but we're going to consider it a film so you'll be able to vote for it in film of the year when we finally do our stab surfer of the year voting which will come a little bit later but i just wanted to give you guys an update on that no bitcoin noah no Bitcoin for you, Noah. Apologies. But again, it would have been great to have a cut down in this contest, but at the same time, you have to respect it. In How Surfers Get Paid, episode four, he talks about, he's featured in there, and he talks about, like we said, how much energy drinks have helped fund projects, and he also talks about funding his own in this. And, I mean, he poured his heart in this thing. He poured a lot of money into it. 
and I get his decision to just keep it exactly what it is. Bang, no cutdowns, no alternate versions. Here it is. So you will see it, and you'll also see an, a written interview that Sam McIntosh did with Noah about the vid and about kind of what's going on in surfing right now in the coming weeks, maybe next week. But what I think is going to be really interesting about that, just to stay on that for another moment, we're calling that a film. And the way that we decide, so basically we're about to do the Stab Surfer of the Year poll, where we talk to 50 of the most influential voices in surfing, and we get their opinion on the best surfer of the year as a male, best female, best male junior, best female junior, best film, and best edit. So how it's going to work with the edit of the year. We're giving the premium audience the link to vote, and we'll announce the results of that. The link will be live for about a week. You'll have a week to vote. And like I said, we'll be talking about it everywhere, so you won't be able to miss it. After a week, we will share the results. We'll say, okay, here's how you voted. Congratulations. This is the people's champ. And then when we're conducting the Stab Surf of the Year interviews, we are going to show them how the voting results went. So basically, we're going to say, hey, here's what the people picked, because every time we Wait, do these isn't calls... Wait, is this going to bias the, the voters of you know, the 50 surfers that are voting, if we give them like, oh, here's what everybody else said. What do you mean? Like if we provide the people who are voting being the surfers, not the STAB premium members, with the results of the STAB premium poll on the STAB edit of the year, and we're saying, this one got first, this one got second, this one got third. Don't you think they're just going to sort of end up voting along those lines? I don't think so. I mean, they get the WSL results too. It's, I think people, we see a lot of things when we do these calls, right? We see people tend to pick their friends which I actually don't hate because a lot of times you like the way that your friend surfs for different reasons. You know, I think it's more interesting for me to read or have that conversation, have them say, I think this person was the best surfer of the year, even though you know they're tight because they see different things about that person or that surfing that the rest of the world doesn't see. And that's just, that's how it's going to work. I mean, if they really care about other things, then they can say it. They have that ability. But the whole point with this was to get a short list to them and say, hey, Here's what was on this platform. Here's what people liked. Say you agree with them. Say you don't. It's game on. Whatever. As long as it's under 18 minutes, choose your end of the year. What I think is going to be really interesting about the Nasvid thing is in the past few years, so we have the edit of the year, and then in that stab surf of the year voting, we have the film of the year. The film is longer length. It's over 18 minutes. In the past, that's kind of went towards more storytelling I feel like people are going to have a hard time getting around Nosvid. And it could be some recency bias at play, but it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how like a pure action film gets ranked against a more narrative driven film this year because we're going to have a few of those. We're going to have John John's Gravity in the mix too. So it's all coming and there's a lot of interesting decisions to soon be revealed. Yes, and even without Nasvid, we do have 11 edits for you to choose from. So we have Kale Walsh, Ali Henry, Mateus Hurdy, Rio Wida, Brad Flora, Leo Fioravanti, Rolo Montez, Parker Coffin, Albie Lair, and of course Kai Paula and Tori Meister, which have yet to go live, but I have seen a sneak preview of, and they're great. Kai Paula has one of the coolest just general clips that I've seen in a really long time in the edit. And um, Tori Meister is wrangling some more bulls, literally and metaphorically. What I love about that list is the variety you have in there. 
I mean, you have you have two surfers who are going to be on the CT next year, and you have a plumber from Maryland. And Mikey Wright is like just as likely to be on the CT next year as he is to become a plumber in Maryland. I would say. <laughs> Interesting take, my friend. Interesting take. It's fifty-fifty. Maryland's pretty far from from where I think he wants to be based, Michael. Um, also, with Rollo and Kale, the Quicksilver just dropped a movie. It was on Sad Premium. We released it last Thursday. It's going to go public this week, but called Saturn. And my God, that is good. So I just want to hype that again with um, with Kale and Rollo and Al Cleland, which we talked about. Going free this week if you if you missed it last week. So yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, that is the Stab Edit of the Year update. And check the site soon for voting if you are a Stab Premium member. After years of tragic shark attacks, surf competition returns to Reunion Island and a CT event could follow. This is a report by Paul Evans. And even though I've read it, even though we talked about it well in advance, I'm going to call him to have him break it down. Let's have a little chat with Paul about it, all right? All right, Paul Evans. Uh, many people call you a Reunion Island expert. I'm going to quote one of your last pieces on Stab. Yeah, or a local. Some people call me a local. Many, many. Uh, so yeah. apparently you were there in 2005, and you were lucky enough to hear Andy Irons deliver the line to a post-seat interview. How do you think I feel I just lost to Pedersen Rosa? How do you think I feel? I just lost to Pedersen Rosa. <laughs> that was in one of your recent stories, but then it continues. Uh, that was at the contest there, the CT and reunion in 2005. But you continue to say that you got your mouth burnt by hot sauce there, and it sounds like you bought a sticker selling a... <laughs> A Rastafari colored sticker. I mean, this is 2005. I just want to, I want to kind of unwind the thinking here. So it was a Rasta sticker, 2005, and you put it on your laptop. Yeah, there was there was a little little marketplace by the just by Saloon front the wave there, and there was like a Rasta man selling various Rasta paraphernalia, which I'm all about, as we all are, I'm sure. And I bought a sticker of His Imperial Majesty King Selassie I the First of Ethiopia, <laughs> who, by the way, who visited my dad's school. By the way, but that's probably not story for another day. I'll save that one. But um, okay, yeah. So, um, conquering lion King Selassie I, I bought a sticker, which it was really expensive as well. I think it was like twenty bucks or something. And I stuck it on my work laptop. And when I was at a meeting in London a, a little while later, my boss Fenton was like, "Who the fuck's that?" And I was like, well, that's, that's, King, that's, that's King Selassie of Ethiopia, the king of king, the lord of lords. He's like, what? You bought, you bought it? And I was like, yeah, 20 euros. He's like, you fucking mug. And he's really pissed <laughs> off at me. I spent 20 bucks on a sticker. But anyway, uh, it's fine. Yeah, I think I still got that laptop somewhere. It was one of those uh, MacBooks, the white ones that looked a bit like Fisher-Price MacBooks. Oh, yeah. It was that, it was yeah, that generation. They were good, good computers. Yeah, I mean, um, I went a classier route with mine, didn't put a sticker, but anyway, so Reunion, yeah. you were there in 2005, how many times have you been? Just that one time. The other thing that I saw when I was there, which is which is radical, was I saw a guy, eat, <laughs> I saw a guy eating, his, eating his lunch out of his pocket, like we, uh -huh. were, fi we were trying to film something, it might, there might have been like a cockfight, something awful like that in one of the back streets in this like quite, um, not shanty town, but just a run down bit. And this, this guy 
who had like I think it was some kind of rice dish, but like in the pocket of his trousers, and he was just taking a pinch of like sort of food out of his pocket and eating it as he walked along, which I don't know if I've ever seen that before. It was pretty radical. That just like, sounds uh, efficient to me. <laughs> but yeah, it's a good trip, beautiful place. Um, that event was on when the carnival was on. They have a, they have a mental carnival in, in, in June or beginning of July every year. And it's like the best thing ever. And it coincided with the event, which is, was really, really cool. Great, great. And so recently you got wind of an event they had down there, the first in a very long time with the shark attack situation. And I want you to tell us about that. Yes. So, well, basically, I guess a lot of people know, you know, about the situation there. It's been been really bad for 10 years. Surfing's basically been banned altogether, apart from when it's supervised. They have, they have divers, they have, they have water patrol kind of on skis and boats and, and, and various other protocols in place. So there's been some surfing during that, or otherwise people just kind of running the gauntlet. Um, but it seems like there hasn't been an attack since, since May 2019. I think it was the last one so it's been a little while and yeah they 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 ran an event at Salo first time event's been there since that that search CT event in, in 2005 um I think there was a there was a pro junior in reunion in in 2011 but that was at, um Saint Pierre you know that that wave that right hander with the down by the harbor further down basically anyway um they put an event on um yeah, and just it was a little bit of a test event as well because the the Wazzle are kind of keen to get 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 competition up and running again, but they need to kind of check out all the you know everything kind of worked and it was safe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the, there's a guy in in Europe that goes to like every event. Um, that's all of the kind of does stuff to do with the internet and like the network computer stuff, the scoring called John John. He's the original John John. Actually, he's been around longer okay. than the other John John. Um, and he's from, or just near Mandaka, he's from Bakio. He went out there for it to kind of like, yeah, to test everything out on behalf of the, of the Wazzle. And I think, I think it was a thumbs up. So, you know, hopefully that would be, that would be a, a great, yeah, it'd be great if, if surfing returns and things get back to normal. I'd love to go back. Wow. Wow. Mm. And so, uh, for all the Anglo-Saxons out there that still are Anglo-Saxon, we're talking about St. Lou, <laughs> to just say it really aggressively, but that super long left that um, has some great... I would, You'd imagine there's still Ross Fire stickers there, right? I reckon he's been doing it pretty hard for the last little while. But the thing about Raster is it overcomes, doesn't it? So, yeah, I think that, you know, if you really want to enter the, sort of the kingdom of Zion, you gotta you got to keep... keep you've got to chant down Babylon for a start and I hope he's been doing that. I hope if I go there, I hope to see him again and I'll, yeah, I'll definitely pull out, fold out a crisp 20 and get another sticker. Great. Right. And so what's the, what's the best time of year? Like if, if there were to be a WSL event there, when do you think they'd have it? Well, this is part of the appeal of it because, um, yeah, the, 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 the sort of austral winter, so the Southern hemisphere winter. So like our, our summer, so like June, July is kind of the the prime season, but it actually works kind of year round. I got a buddy that always goes there for Christmas, his family, and he always seems to think the waves are pretty fun then as well. So it does work year round, but yeah, that's the the season. That's when the CT was back whenever, and that actually would fit in quite well. I, I in the in the story, I had a quick chat with Shane Bradburn, who does um the world runs stuff logistics stuff for the World Surf League in Europe, and he's saying like that timing is really good for. 
you know, their various tours, but obviously with the way the CT runs now, has to all be wrapped up by by the end of August. And so that would fit in with that. Challenger Series as well, that starts in, in May. Um, so it also fit really well with that. So it's pretty good for the season. Also like being a left, which I think I think Brendan Buckley might have written a story about there not being enough lefts on tour. Was that you? I may have, yes, I did. Yeah, so it's also, it also don't you notice, it's also left. So that's good. But um, it's also quite an unusual wave as well. I think it's pretty unique, especially for a kind of reef break, a tropical reef. It kind of sort of does barrel a bit. It's not really like a barrel wave. I mean, you can get tubed there, but it's kind of like a like manoeuvres wave in it that grows. And um, we haven't really seen the, the best of the best there, obviously, in the sort of modern era, which I think could be really exciting because you can imagine what the air guys would sort of do to it now. It could be... Just almost like something we've never seen before. So rather than just you know, hoping to get kind of perfect like G Land style running barrels, or it's it's something different altogether, which could be a really cool, a really cool addition to the tour. So yeah, let's see what happens. But I mean, I'd I'd love to see it back. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine somebody like Italo out there. It'd be just fourteen airs on a wave. The only thing that I would just criticize a bit is if it's after the mid year cut, it be pretty unlikely that somebody at Pedersen Rose's level will, st- will still be there to... Oh, sorry, I'm going to say that again. Um, the only thing I'd criticize about it is if, if it's after the mid-year cut, it's pretty unlikely that somebody at the level of Pedersen Rosa would still be there. So um, we might not have another, another quote like that. So I think Pedersen's got, got a good... I think he's got a good year in him. Is he still on tour? I think so. I think he's... Uh, <laughs> he's yeah, I think this could, could be his, this could be his year next year, I think. A real generational uh, clash. Some of those well, tail carved. He does, does the tail. He did the tail carve, didn't he? That was his thing. The animal did the Peterson Rosa tail carve. It's pretty sick. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's see. Let's see if it comes back. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, no ways. And don't um, don't forget to ask me about my um, um, his Imperial Majesty King Celestia visiting my dad's school one time as well. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, that's a good story. <laughs> I will. I will next. Next story that you write, we'll, um, we'll have you on to talk about that. So we can work it in. Yeah, we will. Don't worry. Joao Chianca wants a pipeline rematch with JJF. And you know what, Joao? You might just get one, buddy, because the Vans Pipe Masters waiting period is a week out from when we're recording this. Mikey, you are the lead forecaster for this event. What do we got? Uh, yep, Michael Wallace here. Uh, looks like we've got some some short to mid-period swell from the north-northwest on the opening day of the waiting period. Uh, going into a, a down period as the, the western gales take a little uh, low period on the storm front, but then we get another mm. upshot of uh, potential energy from the the cortisol area down in um lower alaska so yeah we're gonna see some some giant tubes john thank you thank you yeah it's always i always say with the upwelling once the sun rises over the mountains it's a game changer out there we have no idea what the waves are going to be like there are some swells showing on the forecast but 
it's been such a crapshoot this year. Like every day you look at the Hawaii forecast, it seems to change dramatically. So we're not going to put too many eggs in too many baskets. Um, but we do know that Joao is going to be there and he's going to be looking at waves that probably not many other people are because that's what he tends to do out there. And there's a chance that he gets John John in his heat. They're going to do a lottery system to pick the rest of the heats. We know that we already have the first men's heat and the first women's heat picked. But the rest of the heats are going to be decided via a lottery system wherein two Hawaiians and two non-Hawaiians are put together. And they will stay in those heats for all three of the initial rounds. That means you get three 30-minute heats with those same three people. So at the end, you will either be best friends or mortal enemies. Ooh, yeah, better get cozy, folks. I think we'll see a bit of both. I think it's going to be more of the best friends, though. I think even if you had beef with somebody and you get put in these heats and you have piped yourselves for all that time, you're going to come out of it, I think, with a closer relationship. What do you think? Like I said, it could go either way. It totally depends who you have in your heat and how they look at that no priority situation. Some people may look at it as like, oh, here's my golden ticket to being the absolute biggest dickhead in the world and taking every single wave within that hour and a half that I have out there. Or you look at it as like, okay, we're all in this together. Let's get a little rotation system going. And you're literally cheering people into waves because again, you're not competing directly against the people in your heat. You're competing against the field. So if somebody gets a good wave in your heat, it doesn't really mean that you're less likely to make it through necessarily. Um, so just a reminder, our first heat that we picked in the Vans Pipe Master pre-show, that was a uh, Nate Fletcher, Keala Kennelly, uh, Makua Rothman, and myself. So the men's heat is going to be Mason Ho, Jack Robinson, Eli Olson, and Tosh Tudor. And the first women's heat is going to be Tyler Wright, Tatiana Weston-Webb, Pua DeSoto, and Moana Jodes Wong. Ooh. After that, we know a few surfers have pulled out. Gabriel Medina is out. Italo Ferreira is out. Stephanie Gilmore is out. But some new and exciting surfers are moving in as well. We'll have more updates on that soon. And again, we'll have the names on the actual heat draw for the other nine men's heats and four women's heats soon. I actually got an advanced look at the rest of the men's seats. And heat two is Michael Rodriguez versus Tanner Hendrickson. It's just a... a... <laughs> It's actually just them too. Uh, so it's going to deviate from the format a little bit, folks. Sorry. What's uh? What's the the prize? The prize? I mean, too easy. It's an acai bowl. There you and, go. All right. All right. And I want to say, Haliva came on. There's something just so nice about watching Hawaii this time of year. Last year I was there during the Vans Triple Crown, but. God, it's so fun watching events over there. It's just, it feels different than anywhere else. And I think my favorite moment of the last Challenger Series event of the year, I'll leave it open right now, was watching John John Florence needing a 1.27 with like a minute left. And it was just so funny. He was about to lose so early in this Challenger Series that he won last year. And oh, it just felt good. Did you, did you happen to be watching that heat, Mikey? I was, yeah. I think we were like on, we were in like a meeting at that time, and everybody had it on in the background, and we were all making fun of Kuyo, who like told people to put money on him with betonline.ag to win. 
<laughs> and we're like, oh, Camillo, you're going to have some people knocking on your door. But, of course, John pulled it out in the end with probably the most embarrassing wave that he's ever surfed in his life. So funny watching him have to grind, like, catch an insider, needing 1.27. There's just something so CS about it. And I was like, this is why, this is why I watch. This is why I watch. But aside from that moment, there are were some really good waves and some really good surfing and i am just i'm not going to be at the pipe masters i'm so excited to watch you're going though aren't you i'm not going i'm not going to be there for that unfortunately um i've got some other things cooking that i need to get uh prepped on before but i will be out in hawaii in january to be there for the vans triple crown and maybe a little bit into the ct event we'll see but I do want to say on the Vans Pipe Masters front that you opened this talking about Joao. So that's one of the Vans Pipe Masters surfer profiles that we have on the site right now. We also have one from Sophie Bell, who I'd actually never heard of prior to this, but she's this South African woman who charges so hard, like giant right tubes at Nias and all around her home. She lives in uh, near Durban, so you can imagine the sort of waves that she surfs. I'm sure you've seen some clips of Jordi and other people around Belito, where she's actually from. There was that year they had pretty much the craziest QS waves ever, I think, in the Belito event. And then there's also one coming with Riaro Ito, who I think is my passion pick for the entire event. Um, like, I don't know if you've seen his profile yet. It's not actually live yet, but I got a sneak peek. And he's just not only my favorite surfer, but I think my favorite person as well. He grows cucumbers. That's what he does. He grows he grows cucumbers. And then he got he acts what's likely he's getting barreled through the cucumbers. <laughs> and like watching this video, I was like, holy crap, like we've highlighted some incredible surfers on this. Like we were talking about Joao just a second ago, who we, we obviously know what he's done out at Pipeline. Riaru far and away has the best pipeline waves in any of these profiles. Like he has had some unbelievable waves out there. Some of them were in the backdoor shootout last year, which granted is a little bit like, I don't want to say cheating, but it is just like a really good opportunity to get really good waves. It's like what we saw in Parker Coffin's stab edit of the year entry Sendo. It's just an opportunity that you're not going to get anywhere else where you get to surf incredible waves multiple times with four people out and no Jersey on. But that being said, Guy's an unbelievable tube rider. He's also done it in Chopo and Mexico. And I think he's like one of those people that not many people even know who he is. But he, if the waves are good, and especially if it's west, he is going to blow some minds. What I loved about that, I agree that the waves that you saw in there are some of the best waves that we've seen in these profiles so far. And his sense of humor. I mean, he the interview is conducted in Japanese. He's Japanese, you may have gathered. And the sense of humor... I've never seen somebody be so funny with subtitles, I don't think. Like, it just, <laughs> he makes you laugh. And I feel like, especially people that charge that hard can really, not always, obviously, but can tend to lean much more serious and be more staunch and, like, probably going to get mad if you say, can you get barreled through these cucumbers? Um, <laughs> and so I love that. I love that combination of people that, are surfing really, really heavy waves and are just having fun, are just on that kind of fun, groove, cucumber vibe. So, Briaru, you are our passion pick, buddy. Make us yep. proud. And just for the record, Stace and I will come on soon to do a proper Vans Pipe Masters debrief, maybe even breaking down Haleiwa as well, if that's done. I'm not sure how that's going to line up because I think the last day of Haleiwa 
is the day before pipe starts. So if Haleiwa ends on the 7th, it's going to be a little tricky. We might have to turn one out real quick. But anyway, we'll be chatting about this in more depth soon once we have the heat draws and everything like that so we can give you all the relevant info for that event, which is going to be the first of its kind. All right, Mikey, let's end with the story that I know you're going to love. Jet ski runs over Nazare paddler, breaks board in two. Is Nazare the new snow bros? Like, why we always come back to this? I can't. It's almost an addiction that we're developing <laughs> well, here on keeps the drop. Feeding itself to us, like and I like. I've never surfed Nazare <laughs> in my life. I probably never will, and this makes me so fucking mad, dude. <laughs> Oh, I I think that was Sunday morning when this happened, and unfortunately there's no footage of the incident that I've seen, and it's, you know, it's been widely talked about on Instagram and all these kind of, all this kind of stuff popping off, but there's just, this post, if you, if you go find it on our site, the title that I read earlier, it's just a safety kind of lifeguard figure on the beach talking about what just happened. You see the broken board. And he's explaining, hey, like, this is a paddle day. And, I mean, I was just down the coast last Sunday, and it was a paddle day. I think, why the fuck would you need to ski at Nazare that day? It was, like, a bit over, head high here, a bit overhead, so probably still some meat there. But, like, that wave when it's that size is heavenly. Um, You don't need to ski for it. So I think I love the passion that comes out in you when we come at this because your voice raises, your energy changes on the screen. Everything gets different. And it's so funny because it almost feels like it's targeted at you because it's like they used to just stay in the big waves and now it's just like waves that you would have loved to surf. And they really did push it one more. It just feels personal now. Well, you know what? The writer of this piece, August Hal, he dubbed Nazare the Mount Everest of surfing, which is actually a way better analogy than calling it the cryptocurrency of surfing, which I've been doing for the past few weeks because in reality, cryptocurrency is going to make a comeback. There are some similarities, I think, to Nazare, but I think cryptocurrency will prevail in the end, and I don't think Nazare will. Whereas, if you ask true climbers, they'll tell you it's not like Everest is like the craziest mountain on Earth or the hardest mountain to climb. It just so happens to be the tallest mountain on Earth, like relative to sea level or whatever. So people want to climb it to say that they've stood on top of the world. And I think similarly, people want to surf Nazare to say they've surfed the biggest wave on Earth. Biggest is in air quotes for people who can't see me right now. And it's increasingly these sort of like rich, less talented, less ability laden surfers who just like have the money to go over there and like pay a guy with a ski or even buy a ski and do it themselves and run people over when it's smaller, when they're training for the big days. And it's, yeah, it's just they're chasing this like vanity achievement. And it's fucking everything up, Buck. Everything. My life is in shambles. Business idea. You know how much it costs to climb Everest? 30 grand to 160 grand. The awareness of this wave, I mean, from 100 foot wave, from just every time it breaks, it's in every mainstream media outlet. I think we just need to start a business where we whip rich people into this thing, train them for a little bit, whip them in, and then it's like, oh, yeah, you know, the boomers climb Everest, you surf Nazare. I think that's, I'm sure you could make money doing that. I'm sure you could. Uh, you would have to sell your, your soul. I'm sure somebody already is. It would be a satanic act, but you could do it. Yeah, like, oh, Nazareth, or Everest is for boomers. Well, it's okay. all Naz now. Let's talk about this a little bit, because this is, like, the most egregious surf sin of all time, right? Because... 
People towing during a paddle day anywhere in the world is one of the most widely recognized and accepted faux pas in surfing. And normally it's just annoying because they're like sending wake through the lineup or in the very worst case, they're taking waves that you could maybe be paddling into. But when somebody becomes an actual hazard in the lineup to the point that they like destroy somebody else's surfboard and presumably could have hit them in the process as well, yeah. that's like such a different level, <laughs> dude. Like that is so out there. Like how do you let that fucking happen? That's insane. Like I don't even – I'm typically very – like I don't typically condone violence at all. But I think in this case it's like literally warranted not so much to punish this particular perpetrator, whoever they are. And again, we don't know exactly how it went down, so maybe there were some extenuating circumstances. But the fact remains that it was not a paddle day. They were out there on a ski towing around, and it ended up in somebody's board getting broken, and it could have been a lot worse. But anyway, it wouldn't be necessarily like punish this single person who fucked up, but just to warn any future ski people that like this shit won't be tolerated. Because you can't you just can't get away with that. You can't like let it seem as though, okay, this is okay. Like, yeah, there was that one time that it was, you know, it was a problem, but you know, it's not going to happen again. Let's just go out when it's 10 foot again on there. Yeah. Well, I still have not been up there on a big day, but I checked the cam and it wasn't even a massive day. It was probably like, definitely wasn't no hundred foot wave out there. I saw about 50 skis. It was ridiculous. The amount of jet skis that are in the water on this day that like didn't even look that big. And I was like, Oh my God. And I'll go up. I'll go up one day, and really just see how it all works. See what I can dig up because there is some weird shit happening up there. I've heard just people don't really want to go on the record, but I've heard that it is a massive point of frustration for a lot of people there, especially people who have been there for a while and maybe are in it for more than a world record. So something there. I can't promise anything in the near future, but there are a few things I can promise in the near future. One, again, it's a little bit. It's not Nazare related, but it is kind of Nazare related because that's where everybody goes to try to get the tallest wave possible. There's some weird shit happening in the in the world of big wave measurements. Um, Mikey, I think you described it as a dick measuring contest within a dick measuring contest. And so we've got a story that's going to make sense <laughs> out of Mikey's language there coming. That's going to drop next week. Just a, a thing about the beef going on, the big wave measurement world. Um we also have a film on Moana Jones coming out on Tuesday. We have Best Wetsuits, another film. Mikey used to always do that. I hope you have wetsuits this year after not getting 37 suits from doing them the last uh, – you must be freezing. So cold, Buck. Good thing you moved to Costa Rica. <laughs> but Best Wetsuits is dropping that next day, Wednesday. And just a reminder, we are – by the time you hear this, we're less than a week out from the Vans Pipe Masters waiting period. So plenty on, plenty to look forward to. And one more thing, on Best Wetsuits. So there was one brand that I think the way that it happened, again, I wasn't involved this year, but I think the way that it happened was they were supposed to be in Best Wetsuits, but the product didn't arrive on time, shipping issues, whatever it was. Blame it on the... the uh, supply the, chain? Yeah, blame it on the supply chain, exactly. So... Anyway, we do have basically a little a little taste test of best wetsuits action on the site right now, which is this um it's the have you heard of this this Solite booty that is custom fitted? Like it comes as like a generic boot, but then you can custom fit it once you get it. You you played hockey growing up, right? I got the skates on, yeah. Yeah, so did you um did you ever do the mouth guard thing where you like boil it and then you bite into it so it takes the form of your teeth so when you put it on later it actually fits and it's not like this weird giant rubber ducky in your mouth? No, I did that with a mouth guard in my life, but never a, a 
a skate. No, no. I'm. I'm. Did I say skate? I meant mouth guard. Oh. Um. Yeah. Down with the mouth guard. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So basically, Solite, this company, it's started by Tyler Calloway, actually the coach of the UCSD surf team where I went. So I, I've known Tyler for a really long time, and this other guy. Um, something Meiselman. Anyway, they created this boot that you actually pour boiling water into before you use it. And then it basically gooifies the the inside of the boot a little bit. And then you let it cool down enough so that you're not going to burn your feet and you slide your foot in. If you're a pussy. And, <laughs> and the boot takes the shape of your foot. So it's like a custom fitting surf boot. So uh, Corey and Kuyo went ahead and basically did a little story and did a test on these boots to see what they're like. And you can find that on the site right now. So like, go check them out. Wow. Go check them out. That sounds really nice. I've hurt myself by tripping over a boot. I did my ankle once because I was trying to land in air and I got a little boot under me and it just did not, my right ankle did not like that. I like got tripped up on it. And it was like a big seven mil boot jersey in the winter. And like, so it was so stuck on the board, but also not in the right way and I couldn't really balance my foot back so I like that because it sucks having a pair of boots that fits poorly and um so light thanks for sending me a pair when I get to California on uh, December 20th okay it is time for a surf sin Mikey I don't think this one is is quite the same level as the Nazare one I don't think it's gonna evoke as much anger in you as as our last final story of the week did and he he prefaces it he says it's a bit of a weak one but i'm gonna come at him with a penance i think is stern and fair but first we gotta hear this in yeah g'day boys uh ben here um got a what i think is fairly minor surf in but but you might have other views um so for context i live in canberra um I moved down here for my for my girlfriend's work, um, and so it's about a two to three hour drive to the to the surf, depending on depending on the spot. Um, but uh, yeah, um, the other day I went out for a just a really really gorgeous Saturday morning surf. Um, went nice and early, so I was kind of back in Canberra by by one in the afternoon, um, and uh, it was a beautiful sunny day. I walked into my apartment and my girlfriend and my dog were out in our like little backyard area um you know, gallivanting around in the sun it was really really nice and i walked up to them um and, and said hello and it's just a really really nice moment um for context my my girlfriend does not surf and has never surfed um is not familiar with the with the scene at all beyond what she kind of sees over my shoulder um yeah, so we were having this really, really nice moment, um, just the three of us, me, my girlfriend, my dog, standing together in our little backyard, and I, I bent down to pat my dog, and um, roughly a litre, if not more, of seawater just came gushing out of my nose, landed all over my dog and, and splashed on my girlfriend's feet. Um, she obviously does not surf, so she had no idea what was going on and was, was, was fairly really disgusted by it um and yeah it just ruined this really really nice kind of little family moment we were all having so um you know obviously it's it's fairly part of the course but uh yeah keen keen to hear your thoughts what's my what's my penance <laughs> i beg your pardon it didn't even happen during sex it, like it's most notorious for happening 
I don't think I know many people who haven't had water spill out of their nose onto a sexual partner. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, to me, it, it's pretty straightforward. Oh, me too. He has he's officially baptized his dog and his partner, so they now are surfers by their very being, and therefore his penance, his responsibility is to teach both of them how to surf. Probably not at the same time. I don't think that would be a good idea. But you have to properly commit to teaching both your dog and your girlfriend how to surf. Even if they don't, well, she get into the animal abuse thing pretty quickly there. But oh, I was going to say, even, that one. <laughs> even, even if they're not, you have, to, you have to make them, you have to ease them into it, coax them into it in a way that, like, even if they're not initially into the idea, like, it is your responsibility now because you are the one who baptized them. You have to bring them to God. God being surfing. I like that a lot, Mikey. Mine is a bit different. A lot of times we kind of draw off the same thing. This is going to be an example of us not doing that. But that's very thoughtful and I like it. Mine, what did you, what moment did you, a nice family moment, you're in your backyard and this, listen, buddy, the sun comes out. I mean, maybe it's not visible every day but it happens every day and it's not even like you're at like a but you couldn't you couldn't feel like that nice like afternoon sideways light like it was maybe like coming through the the little um creases in the in the fence and it was just hitting the everything really nicely it was orange and she looked beautiful and the dog was so happy and it was just it was a moment you couldn't picture that when he was talking about it and then a little bit of water filled falls out your nose and then the moment continues i just it's not he he said he said a, a liter that's humanly impossible. <laughs> so, sorry, buddy. I know it was, like you said, as a more mild sin. My penance is not going to be mild. Uh, ruin a real moment, okay? That's not, it's just you're in your backyard. That's not a real moment. So my penance is going to be to ruin a real moment, um, to show them that you are a good person, that it could be way worse. If they're upset with you for water falling out of your nose, that's nothing. So interpret that however you will i'm sorry it's going to sting a little bit but you maybe get a little bit drunk take your shirt off in a public setting around her family or at a dinner i don't really know i don't know your situation that well but ruin a real moment if you're going to tell me you ruin a moment and that way this is going to seem way less of a sin because in my opinion it's not even really a sin but because you address it as one i'm going to tell you ruin a real moment all right there you have it you have two options you can either uh commit to teaching your your spouse or your partner and your dog to surfing or you can really throw yourself under the bus well both are pretty bad if you've ever taught somebody how to surf it's it's really not that fun commit uh animal abuse or do the bus thing whatever uh floats your boat Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. If you have a surf sin of your own, feel free to submit it to michael at stabmag.com or bucketstabmag.com. And, yeah, I mean, huge week in surfing. Another huge one to come. As we said, the Vans Pipe Masters will start next week. In the next few days, we're going to find out who's qualifying for the 2023 Championship Tour. Everything's happening. It's a huge time in surfing. But with that, over and out.